This is Saving Grace, Living in the Light of God's Love, a broadcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world, committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. And now, our program. I'm Carmen Pate, and I'm your host for today's program. Have you wondered how the early Christians stood out in their culture? What set them apart from the pagan culture, but also from the religious leaders of their day? How were they able to turn the world upside down for Jesus? And more importantly, how can we do the same today? Well, Jesus gave the answer in what is known as the Upper Room Discourse, found in the book of John. We're going to look deeper into this thing called love over the next few weeks. The title of our series is Who Wrote the Book of Love, based on a study written by our guest today. Mark Ray serves as Vice President of Community Development with Grace School of Theology and is Executive Director of Grace Center for Spiritual Development. Mark earned a Master in Biblical Studies from Dallas Theological Seminary and a Master of Divinity as well as a Doctor of Ministry from Grace School of Theology. Mark has over 25 years experience in church and parachurch ministry. And Mark, it is always good to have you back on Saving Grace. Carmen, always a pleasure. Love being here. Well, Thanks for inviting me. This topic is going to be so much fun, so insightful uh, into the scriptures, and I'm excited to share it with our with our audience. You know, uh, we're, we're going to begin this series in John 14, but it seems we need to understand first how Christ was trying to set the foundation uh, with his with his disciples in this, you know, really well-known uh, uh, sermon. So share with us, if you will, what did Christ do that night that was so important for setting this foundation? Well... Great question. Let me let me take one step back from yes, there and yes. make this statement. We're talking about an upper room discourse, which scholars will tell you goes from John 13 to 14 to 15 to 16 to 17. So we're talking about a lot of content. Trying to cover that in four podcasts. <laughs> this is a, this is a series that we could be in it for a year oh, and yes. still not plumb the depths of what's here. Um, so we're going to tackle this, but when you jump back to John 13, where it all begins, there's several things that Jesus does to set up mm-hmm. the remainder of the discourse. The overview of what he sets up comes in John 13, and right at the beginning we read um, there were certain things that Jesus knew, certain things that he knew that were going to happen. Therefore, because these certain things were going to happen, he took certain actions. He knew he was going to return. To the Father, He knew He was going to His to His death. Yes. He knew things ahead of time, and therefore, it's almost like this: if you know something's going to happen, what do you say to your loved ones mm. to prepare them for what's going to happen? Um, scriptures tell us that what Jesus actually did was the third thing He did, besides knowing that He's going to the Father, knowing He's going to die is that he knew he loved the disciples to the end. Mm. That little word end could also be translated to their completion, to their maturity, to helping them to become the believers in Jesus that he destined them to be. Yes, yes. So with that, he goes into this illustration that lands itself in John 13, 34 through 35. Mm. Love one another as I have loved you. 
This is my new commandment. He takes the standard old commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, yeah. and he puts a really unique twist on it. The twist is, love one another as I have loved you. If we translate that to today, here's what it means. Love one another perfectly. <laughs> he's throwing down the gauntlet here. I mean, yes, he yes, really he is. Is yes, he is. To these disciples, but what he's saying to them is this is the lesson you need to mm. learn to complete your faith, to bring you to yeah. maturity. Yeah. Now, remember, prior to him saying this, here's what he says I need to wash your feet. Mm. So, the example of that is how do I serve mm. the other? Mm-hmm. Notice that when he comes into the room, nobody's there to wash his feet. Excuse me, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and nobody's there to wash his feet. And even when that finally gets pointed out, Peter's the only one that jumps into the fray. And actually, as Peter always does, he jumps overboard. <laughs> right. So Jesus basically steps him back and says, this is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to know. It is how to love one another. Because that's, as you said in your opening, that's the distinguishing mark. That's what separated believers oh, yes. and still does today. Mm-hmm. How do we love one another perfectly? That setup that Jesus gives is really the foundation verse for all of the upper room discourse. Yes, yes. Because yes. what he's going to unpack for us here is, is really fascinating. Jesus knows we can't love perfectly. No. Out of our own strength, we can't do it. Yes, yes. It cannot happen. Exactly. So, exactly. Now, so now he says, okay, so there's the command. Now what? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's yes. the setup. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, so it begs the question, well, why do we need help to love perfectly, Mark? Um, let's, <laughs> I'll, I'll put the obvious answer out there for you. Have you ever loved perfectly? Oh, goodness, no. Does anyone, mm. human, yeah. ever love perfectly? Mm. And the answer is no. No. We don't. Why do we need help? Because the command is far beyond our ability to actually be obedient to the command. Yes, yes. Um, John tells us in in 2 John, um, this is the definition of love. Mm -hmm. Obey the commandment. Yeah. What's the first commandment we're to obey? Love one another. (laughs) (laughs) So the definition of love is love one another, be obedient to loving mm-hmm. one another. In fact, mm-hmm. in John 15, Jesus says, this is my command. It's the only commandment Jesus says is my command. This is mm-hmm. how important love one another is. Oh, yes, yes. And so the unfolding of the Upper Room Discourse is now, what does God do to prepare us, to equip us mm-hmm. to be able to fulfill this one commandment? Love yes. one another as I have loved you. And here's your here's your separation. The world will know you're my disciples. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not if you can spell dispensationalism. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Not if you know who Melchizedek is. Right. Those aren't the, the, the right. parameters under which we are known as believers. We're known yeah. as believers by how we treat each other. How we treat each other. Yes. And it's, I have to, you know, Dwight Edwards always says it's that surprise factor. Yes. People don't <laughs> expect anyone to love, to love one another, really. And, and beyond that, yeah. to love. Perfectly. Perfectly. Oh, oh, (laughs) yes. Now you've got the framework of what Jesus is getting ready to unfold. And because we know that when there is a command, 
that means that God is going to equip us yes. to to fulfill that command. Right. And so that's why we can really look forward to what he's going to tell us next, because that means he's going to show us yes. just how to do this. Well, the first thing we see in John 14, 1 through 11, is is just that, that point about believing. What is it that we need to believe uh, to help us love perfectly? Well, there's, there's a, it's a great question. There's a couple of things that, that are laid out here in John 14. Jesus starts the whole thing by, let not your heart be troubled. Well, remember where they were and what, what Jesus has just told the disciples, by the way, I'm going to the cross. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, going to be leaving Don't be upset here. about it yeah, now. But... <laughs> yeah, and here it is. Right. So don't be troubled. Why? Yeah. You believe in God. Mm-hmm. That's the given. That's the assumption. Now he puts himself in there and mm-hmm. says, believe also in me. Believe in everything I've told you, everything I've taught you, all the commands I've put in front. But most of all, believe this. You will be known as mine by how you treat each other. Mm-hmm. What do you need for the foundation of that? You need some level of security. Yeah. So what does he say in, in starting in chapter two or starting in verse two? In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Yeah. He's given them the security of there is always a place for you mm-hmm. in eternity with me. And by the way, this is the thing that gets me. Who's preparing that place for you? Oh, Christ is. <laughs> Christ is. amazing? The God of the universe yes, says, this yes. is how valuable you yeah. are to me. And I'm going to give you an eternal home that I'm actually preparing just for you. Yeah. And then he says a fascinating thing. Um, if it weren't so, I would have told you. <laughs> yeah. In other words, can you believe me? Uh-huh. Yes. Absolutely, you can believe me. I go to prepare a place. So first of all, there's a security in you have an eternal future. Uh-huh. Second thing is, he also says, and I'm coming back for you. Yeah. So there is also the security mm-hmm. that Jesus is not going to ever leave you alone. Now, he says over and over again, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Mm-hmm. Yes. But this is very specific. I'm coming back for you. Mm. To have that as a foundation, you've got yes. to build on loving one another. You've got the foundation of, mm. I've got a permanent place. I've got a permanent yeah. home, and it's a permanent home that Jesus is providing. Um, then he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We know that very specifically. You know where I'm going. Here's here's yeah. what it is. I've already told you, and I'm coming back to get you. But beyond that, now he even says, you're never going to lose me. Mm. So what is a, uh, what's a beautiful foundation that we get laid? We've got a permanent place, and we've got a permanent place with Him, yeah. and a permanent place with God. This is the, the foundation for this. Now, do I have the freedom to go love everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you, can, you can't affect mm. my future mm-hmm. by what I do now, and I am free now to go love unconditionally yes. like I've been loved. So you get this proof. Not only am I going to the cross for you, <laughs> but I'm preparing a place for you and I'm coming back I'm coming for you. coming back for you. And I am with you. Forever. Those foundations mm. are, if we truly get them into our head yes. of the value of us in the life of Jesus, the value mm. that he places on us. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm going to die for you. I've got a place for you. I'm preparing it for you. I'm coming back for you. And mm. I'm going to be with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Foundation. Yeah. It's like, yeah, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it because now you have, I mean, I have all the reason in the world. Right. Well, it's, 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 you think about it from yeah. the standpoint, and I love to use the illustration, think about the standpoint of the uh, prodigal son. Uh-huh. 
the, we never get this idea from the text, but just place this, mm -hmm. what he's just said here, in terms of the prodigal son. You can go out and squander it. You can go out and do whatever you mm -hmm. want to do. You can go out and have that happen. Know that I will always love you. You'll always be a son. You'll yeah. always have a place here. The motivation will turn you, just like it did the prodigal son. Wait a minute. <laughs> right. I was loved. I had a place. Uh, I had a position. I had a home. Yeah. The world has stripped me of that by my decisions. Mm-hmm. But I've got a place I can return. I can go back. The promise yeah. that Jesus makes is, I've got a place for you, yeah. and I'm there with you. Yeah. So. Oh, I love it. Well, as we move to verse 12 through 17, we can see how the disciples are to accomplish this uh, really supernatural love. Uh, walk us through that divine presence that was not only with the disciples, but that's with us today. He mentioned that. In, in, as he was building that foundation about always being with them. Well, and, and that's a huge part of this thing. It's not as if Jesus says to us, I'm preparing a place for you. It's going to be there for you. You're mm -hmm. never going to see me again. Right, right. Um, in fact, it's even a fascinating thing. At his ascension, what he tells the disciples is, it's good that I leave. Yes. I'm going to go take my rightful place. But by the way, I can send you the Holy Spirit. We have the divine presence of Christ who says, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. But we also have the divine presence of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We get the divine presence. Actually, we get God, Christ and the Holy Spirit yeah. right here that Jesus tells us. You're not, you're not going to walk away from us. We're not walking away from you. You have the entire Trinity who is mm. devoted to being with you. That's how much. That's put the twist on this, that's how much we love you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're loved this much, can you go love each other? Yes. Yeah. Look, reflect back on how, what God has begun to do. And the first thing he mm -hmm. says is, I'm with you. Christ is with you. The Holy Spirit's going to indwell you. You got us. That's right. We're not going anywhere. You got the whole Trinity. So that divine presence is uh, really significant. Oh, it is. Because it's the promise. Yeah that you get all three of us. Mm, mm. Wow, wow. No excuses for <laughs> no, us, right? Yeah, no right? excuses. And oh, by the way, if you, have, if you ever think about how do I hold and keep the commandment to love one another, you get us with you always yeah to teach you how to do that teach you to empower you yep. to do it through you yep. with you and for you <laughs> with you yeah. for you <laughs> the whole right. bit exactly right. yep. but but that that's so reassuring though for us right well right. I, it's yeah. incredibly reassuring yeah. but on the other side it's also proving oh. how important this verse is mm. because for jesus to say love one another perfectly and here's what i'm supplying to you so you can meet this commandment and yeah. obey it, yeah. you're getting God, <laughs> the Son, and the Holy, you're getting all three of us. Yeah. That's how important this commandment is. Mm -hmm. And let's just ask the, the question, the, the inevitable question, mm -hmm. if we were loving one another perfectly today, how different would the world oh, be? Oh, my goodness, yes. You know, it, it's kind of funny because <laughs> it was so simple, just love one another, right? <laughs> and yet we've made it so complicated. And, and that's why the world gets distracted from what they see, because they see us working so hard and struggling and, and failing and all of these things, when all the Lord said to do was just love one another. Well, but I think Jesus also knew how difficult this was going to be, yeah. which is why we get God and the Holy Spirit oh, yeah. and, and the Son. We get them all together. Because let's face it, today, the difficulty we have is there's so many things trying to 
separate us from yes. one another rather than draw us together. I think this is the perversion that Satan loves of to do. Of course, of course. And, and we're going to see this when we get to John 17. Mm -hmm. The overarching theme of Jesus' prayer for us is that we would be mm -hmm. one right. as he and the Father are one. So what does Satan do? He gets right in the middle of it and says, I'm going to divide you by mm -hmm. the simplest things. Yeah. Political differences. Oh, yeah. Theological differences, mm -hmm. um, the color of the carpet. I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to divide you however I can. Um, and yet the command is very simple. And, and the huge part of the command is if we only did that one thing, mm. if we only loved one another as Jesus loved us, oh. The difference in the world would be monumental. The difference in yeah. our churches would be monumental. The difference in our families would oh, be monumental. Would. Um, so, yeah. It is so important. <laughs> yes. it, it, I tell you, this makes me read this whole book uh, of John totally from a different, in a, in a different light. Uh, because you do see the value of, of love yes. and, and how to do it perfectly with, with Christ in us. Well, you know, towards the end of chapter 14, Christ shares the results of the provisions that were made by the Trinity. So what are those, Mark, and, and how are believers to respond to those provisions? That's a great question, because um, we're promised a tremendous number of things in John 14. We're promised a place. We're promised the presence of Christ. We're promised the presence of God. We're yeah. promised the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're actually promised divine peace. Mm. We see that in chapter in, in verse 27. We're promised that that continual presence. That means if He's not going to leave us, I can cement myself in Him, as we're going to see in John yeah. 15. I can abide in Him. Yes, yes, yes. We're promised that He's going to come back. We're promised a divine return mm -hmm. right there. I've prepared a place for you and I'm coming back. And he even says it uh, later. This is going to happen. You may believe it because I've said it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Jesus isn't kidding when he talks about these are the things that are in place so that you can fulfill this commandment. One of those things is you haven't lost me. I'm coming back. Um, he, we're also promised. Ultimately, we're promised continual divine love. So there are these, these multiple um, promises that are laid at our feet that you can bank on the fact that you've got a home. You can mm -hmm. bank on the fact that I'm coming back for you. You can bank on the fact that you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in you. You can bank on the fact that there is peace coming. You can bank on the fact that you're going to have love unconditional for the remainder of your life into eternity. Right. Um, and you can bank on the fact that I'm coming back. Yeah. It, if, if we just had John chapter 14, <laughs> the promises that yeah. Jesus places in front of us are significant to the point that our faith ought to just explode. Yes, yes. And the foundation on which we can now go love one another is the promise of love we get from Christ. Yes. Because you get all these promises. Mm -hmm. the, and, and I mean, what, what basis of security do you need? Yeah. You've got it. And it takes us back full circle to what we said at the beginning. We have to believe it. Yes. Yeah. It, it, and it's, you know, we talk about believing in, in believing in Christ, but do we believe what he said, right. right? Do we believe what he said? And if we do, then then why don't we apply it, right? And I think part of it is what we were saying. The enemy hates that. Yes. So he's going to do everything he can to distract us, but we can't use that as an excuse, Mark. Well, if you go to Ephesians 2, 
uh, first couple of verses of Ephesians 2, you learn it's Satan that's against us. It's the world that's against us. It's mm-hmm. um, the, the, the power of Satan in the world. It's other people. It's mob mentality. All yeah. of those things work against us. Yes, yes. And then verse 4, you get these two little words, but God. Mm. And but God is a massive mm. statement about what does God do to enter into this mess. Yeah. All these things that control us, what he did was he sent his son. Yeah. He showed us how much he loved us by sending his son to die for us so that we would have all of these promises. Mm. Yeah. And, and can you believe that? Simply look at the cross. Exactly. The cross exactly. tells us those are the truth. Yes. And yes. that I can begin to walk in. Again, Satan will draw our attention off. We'll move in mm-hmm. different directions. We'll move away from how do I love. Yes, yes. But this is also why we're indwelt. Mm-hmm. The reminder yes. is constantly there to go back to go back to your first love <laughs> right. first love is the one who loved you yes, what has he yes. done for you the constant reminder I think it, it's why I love our Jewish brothers and sisters who who spend their life during the course of a year here's a feast here's a feast here's a remembrance mm-hmm. here's a remembrance I think it's why Christ tells us do this in remembrance of me yes yes remember my sacrifice of love for you because mm-hmm. that's the foundation for you to now begin to obey the commandment to love one another Yes. As I have loved you. As I have loved you. So. Yeah. If you take just a minute, I think it's important. Uh, it wasn't on here, but you're so good. <laughs> uh, how does legalism distract us? Um, I mean, nothing big time. Uh, from loving others like we should. How do you see it distracting? Well, there's a number of ways that, and yeah. it's a great question, a number of ways that legalism distracts us. First of all, follow the, the law, not love. Mm-hmm. And what Christ said is, it's there's a new law here. The new law is the law of love because yeah. I'm, I'm permanently indwelling that. I mean, that's the the, um, the new covenant with us. Mm-hmm. He's going to replace this stone oh, yes. and put in a heart of flesh. Mm-hmm. What's that heart of flesh? It's a heart that can now hear and listen to the spirit who is within us, who teaches us and shows us how to love one another perfectly. What legalism has a tendency to do is, here's the laundry list of things I have to do, or the laundry list of things you have to do yes. in order for me to love you. Mm-hmm. So I put conditions on love. Mm. Yes. Excuse me, love one another as I have loved you. <laughs> Did Jesus put any conditions no. on our loving him? Even no. though we reject him, we don't oh, obey my him. Goodness. We, no. So a huge part of legalism is, here's my laundry list. If you don't live up to what I say you need to live up to, my law, mm-hmm. I can't love you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the most incredible mm. breakthroughs come when we shatter those lists and we just uh, simply forgive and love. Yes. Um, and I think that's that's what Christ wants. He wants to free us from the shackles of that, of that legalism. Yes. Um, I think the other thing we get is there's too many things in the world that are legalistic that we that we're required to follow. We got laws everywhere we're mm-hmm. required to follow. Sure. But when we translate those and say, I'm following these, you're not. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden I've put a distance between us. And some of those right. are just as simple as um, uh, I follow this law, you don't follow this law. I, I'll use a really out there example. Um, I stop at every stop sign. I come to a rolling stop and my car stops. Mm-hmm. You don't. Mm. 
you're not following the law. That's right. I'm a better driver than That's you right. are. That's right. So the, the, the minute I do that, uh-huh. I've just elevated me a little bit above you. Uh-huh. I'm above you. And if I'm above you, mm. I don't have to love you. Wow. That legalism is, it, um, it absolutely shatters the opportunity yes. for us to love one another perfectly. Yes. And if we just take it a step back to John 13, 34 through 35, we will shatter the world's perception because we'll love people no matter what. Yes. Um, now, I'm, and, and again, I'm not stating here um, that there aren't important things. Mm-hmm. Good theology good biblical foundations those are important things Mm. but the importance above all is loving one another and especially where that starts within the church the first place to practice Mm. loving one another in your family and ultimately in the body of christ in your church family so that's the that's the the ground on which we practice how do we love one another perfectly because what we should understand is when i don't I can ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. And all of a sudden, we're back on the same playing field of how yes. do we love one another perfectly. Yes. And when we are loving one another as we are commanded to do in the way that Christ wants us to love, people are drawn to us. That means people would be drawn to the church instead of turning away from the church. <laughs> yes. Right? Because they're yeah. looking for a place to be loved and accepted. And yeah. Yeah. Where somebody doesn't look at me and say, you disagree with me, yeah. therefore we can't be in fellowship. That's yeah, right. We can't love one another. My, my, my. Yeah. Well, in our closing comments, Mark, what are some of the questions that we should be asking ourselves as we consider what we've heard today about love and the promises of love? Unfortunately, this is where conviction really sets in Mm. and the first simple question is this am I loving perfectly if the answer to that is no which I'm just here to tell you is going to be because we don't love one another perfectly what am I doing to actually try to love am I looking at the provisions God has given me am Mm -hmm. I going back to that to really understand this is the value and this is how much I'm loved Mm. so I can now begin to love others um the first question I would ask is, am I loving? Yeah. Starting with, am I loving God? The one who has done all this for me. Am I loving Christ who is who is with me, the spirit who is indwelling me? Am I loving? Second question is, am I loving my neighbor? Yeah. I mean, you've got a, a huge example in, in the Good Samaritan. Yes. Who's your neighbor? <laughs> it's everybody around That's you. That's right. It, and, and seeing the beautiful... Uh, outpouring of what yes. the Good Samaritan does. And by the way, the Samaritan was an outcast. Mm-hmm. And yet, what does the outcast do? He goes and actually loves this guy unconditionally, takes care of him, does everything necessary. That that just sets a, a precedent for the illustration of how do I serve yes. one another. Um, am I doing that? And if I'm not, why not? Um, that kind of self-introspection is really significant to put you back on a path of how do I do this? Of course. Um, and I, I'm, my own uh, my own recommendation is read through 14 and 15 and 16 yes. and 17. Because <laughs> exactly. as we uncover this, we're going to see God doesn't just stop with providing himself and Christ yes. and the Holy Spirit in a permanent place. He provides well beyond that. Absolutely. Wow. Well, Mark, this was great. And we are looking forward to having you back next week. We will dig in to uh, chapter 15 of John as we talk about who wrote the book of love. And to our listeners, we hope today's topic has stirred your interest to get into God's word and learn more about loving God and loving others. 
We encourage you to visit the Grace Center for Spiritual Development and discover many resources available to you to help you grow in your biblical knowledge and love for the Lord. Go to gsot.edu. That's gsot.edu. While you're there, check out Grace School of Theology, an accredited seminary where you can earn both undergraduate and graduate degrees. Well, we're so glad you tuned in today. Please tell others about Saving Grace. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You've been listening to Saving Grace. For more information about Grace Center for Spiritual Development or this program, visit our website at gsot.edu center or download the Grace app through your smartphone. Views expressed on this program may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.